We have a guest on the line with us right now. It is State Representative Lenny Mara. And uh, Lenny, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Wynn Damon. Thank you for having me on the air again. Oh, it's my, my pleasure to have you here. Always a busy time at the at the State House. And uh, now I've, we're starting to see um, some of the um, some of the election news uh, popping up, such as uh, uh, you know the uh, the state auditor's race. Uh, Eileen Duff, the uh, governor's counselor for District Five, she uh, announced that she uh, chose not to uh, seek that seat. Um, but that just uh, brings up the uh, the field of elections right now. And uh, in the state house, they've been uh, working on some election reforms, haven't they? Yes, we have. Yeah, some recent bills have come up. And, yeah, that auditor's race is uh, shaping up to be something uh, quite interesting. Uh, my good friend Diana Gisoglio is going to um, throw her hat in that ring. Uh, she's currently the state senator uh, for Haverhill, but she will be running for auditor. Um, and that will leave her Senate seat open, so it'll be interesting to see who runs for that. But we are looking at election laws. You know, as um, everyone knows, we, we made some temporary changes during COVID, um, in order to protect people during the pandemic, we allowed people to vote by mail um, in Massachusetts if you chose. And we also opened up the uh, access to early voting as well. Uh, some people are in favor of this. Some people are a little hesitant about it. But uh, just so you know, when I mean, under current laws in Massachusetts, um, you are allowed to submit uh, a ballot um, it, by mail if you choose to do so, but it requires a quote-unquote excuse. It's, it's called an absentee ballot, and it used to require that you had to be out of state or in the military or uh, physically unable to go to a polling location because of the health reasons. And so under those conditions, you were allowed to vote by mail. So a lot of people are asking that we expand that, allow anyone to vote by mail if they so choose. And a lot of states already do that. Uh, it's already legal in a lot of states. Um, so we're investigating ways to do that. Now, we just had a bill come in last week uh, that did that, and many of us had a problem with it because it did not really get proper vetting. We just had a hearing on it a few weeks ago, and it really did not get much debate. And the details, of course, uh, is where the devil uh, is because we, we're, a lot of people are concerned about um, who gets to vote by mail and in what manner. And the way the bill came down, it allows the applications for a mail-in ballot to just be sent to every registered voter. And a lot of us had a problem with that because our voting rolls uh, are not updated frequently enough. So people get applications uh, for residents who are no longer living in a house or people who have passed away. So we're going to iron out the details when, and hopefully we'll come up with a bill that will uh, make it easier to vote uh, and, and make it more accessible for everyone. Yeah, I, I think that some people just assume that uh, you know all these things are done by computer and done uh, you know automatically and all that stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing the state computer system isn't as good as some people might think it is. That is correct, and these voting rolls are pretty much done at the local municipal level. So your town clerk or your city clerk is the one typically involved in updating the uh, voter list in his or her town. Uh, but to give you an example of what can happen, so I, I bought a place in Georgetown um, in, in 2019. So when the 2020 election came around, I had an application sent to my house for me to be able to vote by mail. But I also got the two applications for the two people who used to live here before me. 
And so it raises the question, you know, what's to stop someone like that from voting three times? And there are very few safeguards on preventing that from happening. Uh, technically, you know, it's against the law. You're not supposed to do that. And the city clerk will tell you, well, when you sign that, you sign it under penalty of perjury. But um, is that enough of a deterrent to stop someone from voting multiple times? Well, we don't know. So we need to fix that one. Uh, these are things that we need to update. We need to do a better job of. Um, you know, there's always the case of uh, people voting who record show have passed away uh, prior to the auction. Uh, so how does that happen? But we are going to iron this out. Um, and these, you know, instances of voter fraud, they're very, very rare uh, as of right now. But uh, we want to go from rare to non-existent, of course. So we'll be working on it. And it's something that, um, you know, we're going to be debating on the rest of the year, I'm sure. Now, anything about uh, identification for uh, registering to vote? Excellent question. Yeah, there are actually several bills uh, put forth by lawmakers this year uh, that would require voter ID. And um, the most recent one is by State Representative Colleen Gary, the state rep from Draken. And uh, a lot of us have signed on as co-sponsors of that bill and that would require voter ID. And uh, that's a tricky question. You know, the polls show when that the vast majority of voters are in favor of voter ID. They just think it um, makes them more confident that the person voting is the person on the voter list. And so it's my hope that we're going to use, you know, some modern technology uh, to make this more efficient and uh, more easily done. Uh, and by the way, this will probably uh, require us to, to give identification cards to those who don't drive so that if you don't have a driver's license, you will, of course, still be able to vote. Oh, yeah, by all, by all means, yeah. Hey, I have a question. Uh, this is uh, budget season, and uh, and how is it going uh, from your perspective over at the State Statehouse? Um, I have to say it's gone remarkably well. We ended up with more tax revenue than we predicted, substantially more. Uh, revenues are coming in much higher than we predicted. We thought there would be a, um, a reduction in tax revenue in, in the uh, following days of the uh, pandemic because a lot of people were still out of work. A lot of businesses were still closed. But uh, knock on wood, when uh, revenues are coming in higher than expected, and we're seeing this, you know, not just in this part of state, this part of state, but across the entire state and across the entire country. And so a lot of states have lifted their COVID restrictions. We did so at the end of May, May 29th, just before the Memorial Day weekend. And by all accounts, the economy is booming. So much so, in fact, that a lot of uh, employers are complaining that they're just having a hard time finding workers. They just can't hire enough help. And this is across every industry, from uh, the restaurant industry to construction to healthcare, uh, and a whole bunch of others as well. Uh, they just cannot find enough workers, which I think is a good problem to have, by the way, better than the other way around. But um, getting back to the budget, yeah, revenues are coming in higher than expected uh, because the economy is moving, but also because the feds have stepped up. And they um, sent Massachusetts over $5 billion to help uh, deal in the, with the aftermath of the pandemic. They also sent um, a couple of billion to the municipalities in Massachusetts to help deal with the uh, pandemic. And this is money that will be spent over the next several years. I think there's a mandate that it be spent before 2026, but... Um, this is money that will help schools reopen, help municipal buildings uh, reopen, uh, and put in place you know proper safety uh, protocols so that everyone returning to work can do so safely. So 
the revenue and budget uh, scenario is looking pretty good right now. Oh, my own. Yeah, that that does sound uh, pretty good. And and you mentioned COVID, too. And, yeah, things are, um, it, it's like a whole new world, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. And you know what? We learned a lot. It, it took a pandemic to learn things like, hey, a lot of people can work from home. Uh, there's no reason to, for everyone to trudge into Boston or a nearby city uh, every single morning uh, for work. And so that commute got a lot easier, uh, something that, you know, I'm personally very happy about. Uh, and I think going forward, a lot of companies are going to do that. Uh, it would save companies money. As you know, when they rent commercial space, it's rented by the square foot. So if they have uh, fewer people coming into an office, they don't need to lease as much office space or lab space or industrial space or whatever the case may be. So going forward, I think that's going to help a lot. Um, the other thing is I think a lot of workers are going to demand being able to work remotely. They've just gotten so used to working from home that they want to continue to work from their pajamas when they wake up in the morning. And I think companies that uh, are, are successful, they will have a demand for workers, of course. I think those companies are the ones that are going to figure out a way uh, to allow workers to work remotely if they so choose because um, there is stiff competition for these workers. Um, there's a lot of job openings when uh, and not a lot of workers for them. Hey, uh, let me um, now. Uh, part of your district uh, is includes Haverhill, but also uh, uh, into uh, the uh, Pentucket School District too. And uh, uh, every morning, I have a chance to uh, drive by and uh, glance at the, uh, the the project over there for Pentucket uh, Middle School and High School. And, and how's that going from your perspective? Oh, good. Yeah, I have all three Pentucket towns in my district. It's Merrimack. Groveland and West Newberry. And the superintendent there, Justin Bartholomew, uh, took us on a tour last Friday morning. Uh, all the legislatures went. So I went there with Senator Bruce Tarr and Senator Diana DeZoglio, and he took us on a tour of the new building, which is already up. We have the footprint of it. The steel is up. A lot of the uh, interior fixtures are already put in place. And this school is going to be absolutely magnificent. Uh, the design of it is incredible. There's going to be a lot of natural light. And it flows well. It's shaped kind of like a capital H, like Harold. And so it provides for state-of-the-art facilities, not just for the sports and athletic department, but also for um, the arts department, where the auditorium that they're building looks like a small Carnegie Hall with a, a pit for the band to be in and a stage that's going to be state-of-the-art and seating that is going to be top-notch, not a bad seat in the house. It is an absolutely incredible marvel to, to watch this in place. Um, and in this job, you know, I just want to say it, it hit at the right time when uh, it went out to bid just as COVID was, was hitting us. And so contractors at that time uh, were a little nervous. There wasn't a lot of work at the time. So we got some really good bids on the site work, the plumbing, the heating, the um, carpentry work. We all got really good bids on those. And keep in mind, it occurred before this spike in commodities in materials. So right after these contractors purchased their materials, we saw a severe increase in the price of lumber, steel, concrete. Lumber went up by a factor of three, I believe. It's triple the price now uh, compared to what it was before COVID hit. So we hit this right. We're getting a good project win. I think this thing's going to come in on time and on budget and maybe even a little bit below budget, which is great news for the community. Oh, by all means. All right. Well, uh, Lenny, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, you, you always have some good information to talk about. 
Well, it's fun to do when you have good news. So with that high school going up and it, it, it looks like it's going to be the most beautiful building around, uh, and with, you know, tax revenues coming in higher than expected, uh, it makes this kind of interview a lot more fun, I'll tell you. All right. Well, thank you so much, and we'll get you back on again before you know it. Thank you, Wayne. I appreciate it. Oh, you bet. State Representative Lenny Mara um, covers a, a portion of Haverhill, our guest this morning here on The Wave 97.9 WHAV. Wake up with Wayne Damon weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. on 97.9 FM WHAV. Catch the Wave. W.